All right, good day wherever you're listening from, and welcome to Indoor Air Quality Radio. I think we could say it's flooding out in California today, not Texas. But anyway, this is IAQ Radio for December 5th, 2014. This week is episode 349. We're coming to you from the IAQ Training Institute, IAQ Radio World Headquarters in Central City, Pennsylvania. My name is Radio Joe Hughes, and here with me in the studio is at the controls, Frank Zappa Amato. Good day, Frank. And also joining us from Studio C back in McKee's Rocks is the Z-Man, Cliff Zlotnick. You got to unmute Cliff, though. We got you, Cliff. Good afternoon, everyone. Hi, Joe. Good day, Cliff. Good to be back in the saddle here with you. All right. Uh, Today's show, we've got an interesting show today. We've got Tim Wentz. He's a professor at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln and the ASHRAE secretary. We've got Don Herman. He's an Indoor Air Quality Association board member. Principal at D.H. Herman and Associates, longtime indoor air quality and uh, mechanical systems consultant, and d- done some training as well. We were talking a little bit about that before the show. We're going to talk a little bit about the IAQA ASHRAE merger, a little bit about sustainable buildings, and then uh, hopefully get a good good bit of discussion on education, industry education. Before we get started, let's stop for 20 seconds and thank our marquee sponsors. John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop. Visit them at johndon.com. Clean Facts and Cleaning and Maintenance Management Magazine, your source for cleaning and maintenance news. Visit them at cleanfacts, C-L-E-A-N-F-A-X.com and online. IAQ.net and Healthy Indoors Magazine, a free online digital magazine for industry professionals and consumers. Subscriptions are available at IAQ.net. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IAQ Radio when you inquire about their services and products. All right, uh, to download the show, just go to iaqradio.com. You can stream it right from our homepage, or you can go to the link that says Go to Show, where you can download shows or stream them on the Talk Shoe website. And also, of course, you can get them from the podcast section of iTunes. We also have some continuing education credits available. Email me at joe.hughes at iaqtraining.com. And last but not least, please visit the IAQ Training Institute website for the most current dates for the training you trust at iaqtraining.com. All right, let's turn it over to the Z-Man for today's IAQ Radio trivia question. Thanks, Joe. Win a cool prize by outcompeting fellow IAQ radio listeners and being the first person to correctly answer the IAQ radio trivia question each week. Submitting your answer is easy. You can either email it to czalotnik at cs.com, or if you're listening to the show live, you can text in the answer via your computer. Congratulations. Andy Krozowski, Comcast Metal Products, Mars PA, for IDing Paul Provost, 
as the marketing guru who said, good branding without a good business plan is like putting up a duck with no feathers. It may look good, but it ain't going to fly. The IQ Radio Trivia question for Friday, December 5th, 2014, has been sponsored by Triska, the Tri-State Restorers and Specialty Cleaners Association, who have been serving the needs of and advocating for their members for well over 30 years. Remember, Triska is your link to industry training, certification, standards, and events. Their website is trsca.org. Now for today's trivia question. According to the Energy Policy Act of 2005, Public Law 109-058, Section 914, Building Standards, what is the definition of a high-performance building? Back to you, Joe. All right. Thank you, Cliff. I know we got a couple trivia experts on today. We'll see how quick they get this one. Today's guests are Tim Wentz. He's a fellow at ASHRAE an ASHRAE certified high-performance building design professional and an associate professor at the University of Nebraska in Lincoln. He's also currently serving as ASHRAE secretary. He's also got uh, quite a bit of uh, experience in the industry because of a family business that he also worked in, in the mechanical engineering world. And I uh, look forward to talking to him a little bit about the ASHRAE merger and some other interesting issues. Don Herman is also joining us. Don is a lead accredited professional, uh, Green Globes professional, high-performance building design professional, and he's got um, Florida me Certified Mechanical Contractors license. He's a certified indoor air quality professional and certified indoor environmental consultant. Don has over 30 years' experience in mechanical system design, indoor environmental design, energy conservation, in a variety of buildings, and he's also currently a member of the Indoor Air Quality Association's Board of Directors. We've got a little intro music for the guys. Welcome, sulfur dioxide. Hello, carbon monoxide. Repair the air is All right, let's see. Let's get uh, the guys unmuted here, Frank. Hello, Tim. Greetings. All right, great. great How are you today? Great, thank you. Good to have a, an instructor. You know, and I forgot in the intro, I really wanted to add these couple of things. You're pretty well um, recognized and uh, awarded uh, teacher, too, at the, at the university out there. You've got quite a few awards and honors that have come in over the years, and that, that really uh, piques my interest as a, as a teacher myself, so... Look forward to having a great discussion with you here. Thanks. I'm looking forward to it as well. All right. Let's see if Don's on the line. Don Herman, do we have you? You certainly do, Joe. Fantastic. How are you? An old friend of uh, the show, Don Herman, and a uh, friend from many years back. We were just reminiscing. It's been about 12 years ago, I guess, we met. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, gentlemen. Let's start with this uh, merger. The, uh, oh, oh, wait. There, I, I have a hard time not saying that. It's, I don't know that it is a merger. Let's find out. I, I've heard this relationship described as a merger, I guess. Is that the best term, or is there another term that better describes the new relationship between these organizations? Let's start with Tim. What do you think? Yeah, I, I use the word consolidation. Okay. I, I think that's a better word than merger. I, I've heard the word merger around, but... The intent here is is to um, bring IAQA into ASHRAE as a semi-autonomous organization. 
Uh, you know, they're going to have their own uh, board of directors, their own president. Uh, they're going to be a self-directed organization. Um, so that kind of aspect, that semi-autonomous uh, aspect of how they're going to operate, I think, uh, speaks more towards a consolidation where they'll come under the ASHRAE umbrella as opposed to a, a merger. That's my two cents worth anyway. Don, anything you'd like to add? Well, no, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with what Tim said. Uh, consolidation is probably the, the, the better word to use, but really any word can be taken literally to mean something that this relationship, is, as you put it, is not intended to be. Uh, for example, when AMIAQ, you know, now ACAC and IESO joined IAQA, the term unification was used. So is that a better word to use here? You know, maybe, maybe not. Uh, but w what we need to look at is beyond what we call it and look more at what we're, what we're trying to do uh, to back up with a little bit of history because using the term merger had thrown some people into like a mergers and acquisitions kind of, oh, Ashray's going to take us over and we're not going to have anything to say or do with, with how this whole thing happens. And that's, that's the farthest from the truth that you could possibly be. All of this started really back in January of this year when ASHRAE and IAQ met in New York City uh, concurrent with the ASHRAE Winter Meeting. And the purpose of that meeting was to discuss with ASHRAE if there was any possibility of us utilizing their skills to work with IAQA and IESO to move the standards forward. And that's how it started. And we came up with two that we thought were pretty good and that you know, they might have an interest in, and we decided that, well, okay, maybe we'll do a beta test. Well, then over the next couple of months, while we're talking about that and how it might work, the uh, IAQA Board of Directors decided it was time to get competitive bids for management of IAQA. It hadn't been done in God knows how many years, at least 12 that I can attest to, knowing Joe for that long. Uh, and ASHRAE expressed an interest along with other companies, and they responded to an RFP, request for proposal. And uh, after reviewing all of them, ASHRAE's proposal was accepted as being the best opportunity for, for IAQ to move forward to help increase membership and assist in other membership services that you know, ASHRAE does extremely well and has been for, I'm going to guess, 150 years. Uh, so. During that time, it became evident that both ASHRAE and IAQ had uh, similar interests in, uh, in creating a better indoor environment. So this led to additional discussions, and eventually those discussions uh, came to combining our talents for a united cause. And the idea was presented to ASHRAE at their June meeting of this year in Seattle where their board of directors voted to consolidate with IAQA contingent upon the, uh, completing due diligence. Uh, the IAQA ASHRAE team was formed. We had four people on the IAQ side, four people on ASHRAE's side, and we meet every Tuesday morning at 8 o'clock. Yes, Tim gets up that much early. <laughs> yes. And uh, that, that's kind of where things got, got going. And we wanted to make sure that uh, we could do this in a manner that would be 
least disrupting to IAQA members of the college. So, you know, was the transition hiccup-free? No. Uh, but most of the members, uh, at least the ones I've talked to with IAQA, had really not seen a change. I think that ASHRAE did an excellent job doing what was needed to make this happen and in a, in a very short period of time uh, because we were chomping at the bit because our management contract was about to expire. So all of this got dumped onto ASHRAE and had, they had to react very, very quickly, which they did. While all of this was going on, the transition team was also working on the due diligence. That now is about 95% complete. And uh, we're hoping that that will finalize here uh, before the January uh, ASHRAE winter meeting in Chicago. At that point, both organizations uh, should be able to take that to the board of directors and, and hopefully get it approved. Uh, members of both organizations, uh, I think, should be assured that their best interests are being addressed by the transition team that the overall outcome will be a win-win for both IAQA and ASHRAE. Well, Dawn, you mentioned IESO, and this all started with, with standards. And, and just recently, and I included it on today's show announcement, um, IESO standard on mold inspections in schools, um, and I never did get the formal uh, language on that one, was published, and it's out for peer review. And I'm wondering... Um, is this one of the ones that you mentioned before that, you know, it was on moisture and mold in schools, moisture and fungi, I believe they called it. And uh, is that one of the ones that you were looking at originally? And how did ASHRAE help with that? And maybe um, I didn't notice when I looked at it real quick, does ASHRAE have their name on that standard now as well as along with ISO? Well, boy, what a loaded question. Yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, this is uh, BSR IESO ASHRAE Standard 3210. Uh, it's a standard guide for the assessment of educational facilities for moisture-affected areas and fungal contamination. Uh, and uh, as, as you mentioned, this is out for peer review, public review. Uh, it's on its first public review, which is 45 days. It began November... 21st, give or take. I think the end of end of it is January 5th. Um, and yes, this was one of the ones that we had discussed. It was one of the ones furthest along through the IESO process. And uh, what happened for this particular one is that it just kept its normal process. Uh, ASHRAE's name is on it. As I mentioned, it's a BSR IESO slash ASHRAE standard. Uh, and in this particular one, they're using uh, IESO's ANSI process, and they're going to be tracking everything through ASHRAE's tracking procedure for comments and, and committee responses. Um, I would encourage everyone listening to review the standard and provide written comments on things they'd like to see changed. This is the time that industry can get involved. You don't have to be an ASHRAE member. You don't have to be an IAQ member. Uh, you can be a housewife. You can be a carpenter. It doesn't make any difference. If you see something that you'd like to see changed, now is the time to do it. I think that's great that 
we got the ASHRAE name on there. That's wonderful. I think that'll give the uh, standard a lot more credibility. Um, Cliff, let me turn it over to you. I'm sorry I, I get so excited and start asking all the questions. Okay. Well, what about future standards? Will ASHRAE now be joining IS, IESO and others with their name on standards? Is that going to continue? Tim? Don, do you, do you want to take or that or do you want me? Uh, either way, if you'd like, uh, I can I can address it a little bit and sure. pick up the other side. Uh, the, the details right now on, on how these standards will be handled is is honestly a work in progress. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there's a lot to be worked out on, on how things happen. As we noted earlier, you know, 3210 is out for public review. It's a joint IESO-ASHRAE standard. And future, future joint standards are expected to be similar, uh, but they will follow the uh, ASHRAE's ANSI process as opposed to you know, whoever, uh, for example, IESO's process. Uh, because ASHRAE has been doing it for a long time and has a very streamlined uh, set up with ANSI, and it provides a quicker path through the ANSI approval process, the review and uh, approval process. So uh, I guess that said, uh, we're not sure if it is a joint standard between IESO and ASHRAE, for example, then yes, the two names will appear. Uh, that doesn't preclude ASHRAE from, you know, still doing their own thing with, with their standards. Mm -hmm. So we are certainly looking for them to partner on some future endeavors as well. Uh, you, you mentioned two standards that were fairly close, and they were the ones you wanted to start with. What was the other one, Don? Oh, the other one was the uh, AFT, I call it the AFT standard. It was basically in-situ testing of uh, air filtration devices, oh. field testing of of, of HEPA fans, Great. For, for want of another term. Uh, well, that's... The uh, IESO group that was putting that together had decided that they wanted to do that more of a guideline than a standard. So that's still right now up in the air. I honestly don't know which direction that that is going to go. Okay. We just did a show on that. And um, I was on that committee, and, and Tom Yacobellis, who was the chair, had promised that he's going to really uh, get back into uh, pushing that one. So hopefully that will come out. That's a badly needed standard out there. I mean, I, I help these guys that do remediation and train contractors, and, you know, it's just we have a way of doing it right now, but it certainly would be nice to have a, a formal standard. All right, let's go to um, uh, Tim what, what other kind of things are you ready to announce, or is there anything, you know, with respect to new initiatives, member benefits, et cetera, that we can announce today or, or that have recently been announced that you'd like to uh, get out to a wider audience? Yeah, we're, you know, we are working on, on uh, uh, some joint activities. And as Don said, a lot of this is a work in process. Uh, you know, these are early days in the consolidation, and uh, – uh, there's there's a lot to do, but uh, the the two organizations uh, share a passion and have very similar core values, and so um, I'm looking forward to a lot of synergy that uh, will eventually develop. A couple of things that we've done, you know, right off the get go, is uh, 
is we've made our IAQ design guide uh, available for free download access to IAQA members. And that's something we're uh, a design guide we're very proud of, and, and uh, uh, we thought that was an easy uh, first benefit that we could provide. Uh, that was developed uh, by ASHRAE in, in partnership with the EPA. And um, so and, and I happen to notice that there was uh, quite a few uh, immediate downloads uh, right after we made that announcement, you know, four or 500, which I presume most of whom, most of whom um, went to IAQA members. So uh, that was a simple first step. Uh, we're also uh, agreed to hold uh, IAQA and, and ASHRAE are agreed to hold their 2016 conference in parallel at the winter meeting. And so that, uh, that's another step forward where I think we can leverage the strengths of both organizations to provide some uh, immediate benefits for both sets of members. Uh, I'm sure there will be some other initiatives coming out soon, uh, but again, these, these are early days, so uh, a lot of that hasn't been developed yet. Okay, and I want to thank John Lapoteer for posting the link to that uh, ISO ASHRAE standard. So, folks, get on there and uh, put your comments in. All right, Cliff, let me turn it over to you. Um, in terms of governance, will IAQA have uh, a new uh, president? Will they have a, a separate executive director, et cetera? Well, it as I said at the, at the beginning, um, IAQA is going to be a semi-autonomous organization within the ASHRAE umbrella. So what does that mean? Uh, it means they're going to have uh, a president, just like, you know, the same president they have now. They'll have a board of directors. Uh, they'll have their own membership. Uh, they'll have their own uh, uh, due structure. Uh, they will be able to uh, chart their own destiny in effect with their own um, with their own structure and that's that's the whole point of being a, a semi-autonomous organization certainly they're going to have uh, some dedicated staff you know that'll be uh, dedicated to IAQA and IAQA's uh, mission and everything uh, and I'm sure that will include a chief staff officer of, of some form or another however IAQA sees that and wants to set that up. So um, it, it, it's going to, there's going to be a relationship between IAQA's board and ASHRAE's board. Um, that, that relationship is uh, it's still a work in progress, so we haven't quite got all of the uh, I's dotted and the T's crossed, but uh, certainly uh, both sets of memberships, I think, need to make sure that the, both organizations are moving forward you know, with similar missions and everything. So um, that's about where where we stand on that. Don, anything? Like to, Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to add, add a little bit to it. Uh, now that you've made both Tim and I feel like politicians and whatever <laughs> we say will be held against us in the future. Uh, I can tell you that the present strategy within IAQA is to seek out an executive director for IAQA as soon as possible. Uh, that that is in the works. Um, we uh, the transition team has uh, given Ashray the authority to move forward and uh, and seek that individual. That's great news, Don. I was if you hadn't said that, I was going to urge you to go ahead and do that because you know as someone that deals with um, 
the training end of things, it's just nice to know there's one person that you can go to and maybe get a contract signed or, or whatever the case may be. So that's that's great to hear. Any Before we switch gears, guys, is there anything that we missed, um, anything you'd like to add with respect to the merger and the, I'm sorry, the, the consolidation of IAQA and ASHRAE? Uh, I'd like to just mention that the transition team on both sides has had several things on their plate to deal with. We had two things that were of primary importance. The first thing was transitioning the management of IAQA over to ASHRAE. And we, again, as I mentioned earlier, we wanted to do that without a disruption of service. Uh, and the second thing is completing the due diligence. Now that both of those major hurdles are out of the way, we can now concentrate on the more uh, more of the issues such as member benefits, future standards, conferences, and the other things that we need to move forward. But this, as both Tim and I have mentioned, is a work in progress. It's not going to happen tomorrow. If it did, it would be done wrong. We want to take our time. We want to make sure it's right. We want to make sure that the members' rights are protected, that uh, everything that we're doing has some benefit to the members in, in some way, way, shape, or form. All right. Well, let's let's move on to uh, sustainable buildings. I love the way that Cliff and I, we didn't talk about this prior, and he kind of read my mind and put together a great trivia question, and it was uh, answered correctly by Andy Krasovsky. I think Andy got that one right. And um, so I think I can go ahead and start this segment by saying the correct answer to the trivia question was, uh, what is the definition of a high-performance building was the question. And the definition of a high-performance building, in, in at least with respect to the Energy Policy Act of 2005, was uh, the high-performance building means a building that integrates and optimizes all major high-performance building attributes, including energy efficiency, durability, life cycle performance, and occupant productivity. Gentlemen, is that uh, commonly the the... The definition that, that you and I guess ASHRAE use as well, since that is in the public law? Yeah, it's, it's similar to the, the um, approach that we use for uh, high-performance buildings. I mean, it's, it's a holistic approach, and that's pretty much what was uh, uh, expressed there. You know, I noticed they said occupant productivity at the end and, and didn't really have anything with respect to comfort or or health or anything along those lines. With with respect to the ASHRAE side, Tim, do you include comfort or health within that definition? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and now that you've mentioned that, uh, uh, not to reflect back on the IAQA thing much, but uh, it, that's exactly one of the reasons I'm so excited about the consolidation between IAQA and ASHRAE. Um, I think uh, this issue of human productivity uh, is, is, is going to become far more important. And one of the things we really haven't done a good job of to this point is, is as an industry, is recognize the relationship and work on the relationship between indoor air quality and human productivity. And I think uh, human productivity, uh, particularly in, in the built environment, is, is one of those growth or, or emerging fields that's really going to explode in the future. And so this, this relationship 
that we're building between IAQA and ASHRAE, I think, is going to be critical uh, towards achieving those really uh, important goals. So uh, that's, uh, that's the way I, I kind of see that uh, evolving. Well, I, I appreciate that. And, and, and Dawn, I, I would like to get your perspective as a, as a person. I, you know, you make your living, I believe, and I correct me if I'm wrong, dealing with these types of buildings, high-performance buildings. And, and I'm wondering, is, is business good? Um, is there a lot of this type of work going on in your area? Because, quite frankly, I don't see much in my area, but I'm in the middle of nowhere, USA, here, so maybe that's the reason. Well, Joe, business is good, but it could be better. Uh, the uh, the the future of indoor environmental quality is is, is certainly one that we we all have a, an interest in, and concern in, and the high performance buildings have some potential flaws that I believe that uh, with both IAQA and ASHRAE bringing these things forward that you know industry is, is going to change uh, for example you know we build high efficiency buildings the use of the products and construction are done with little consideration to their impact on the indoor environment they're supposedly good are they really uh, and this has to do with either long or short-term uh, impacts on, on the environment. We're getting less outdoor air by infiltration because the buildings are tighter. We've got new green cleaning chemicals that are allegedly better for the environment, but not knowing how they'll interact with each other. For example, I mean, for, what can you make under your kitchen sink? Well, let's look and take a little bit of Clorox bleach and mix it with ammonia and see what we get. Well, you know, we've, we've got these things that we're putting in the building, and by themselves they may be fine, but what happens when they get together in the building and interact? We don't know. And these are issues that I feel that the IAQ practitioner, uh, IEQ practitioner, and the design professionals will need to address in the future, and I think a good uh, synergy between ASHRAE and IAQA, we can maybe address some of these things in, in more detail. And Don, or I'm sorry, Tim, how is, how's the market for high-performance buildings in, in Lincoln, Nebraska? Well, I, I think it's improving. As, as Don said, it could always be better, but I, um, I for example, I'm on the University of Nebraska uh, Lincoln campus, and, and uh, University of Nebraska, as well as the state of Nebraska, is committed to uh, creating a, a high-performance buildings on, on all their new construction and all their major uh, retrofits. And, and the reason for it is pretty clear. I mean, they see, uh, they, they see the bottom line, and, and one of their largest expenses, of course, is, is energy. And so this is one of the, one of the ways in which you can control that aspect of your expenses. Uh, University of Nebraska is also the largest employer uh, in the city of Lincoln. So, uh, you know, we've got 5,000 faculty members and, and staff members here. And so to the extent that we can create a healthy environment uh, for those people and make them more productive, uh, we also uh, uh, attack. 
attack that uh, other line on the balance sheet, which is labor. And of course, for most of our clients, that's that's the big line there is labor. And that's why I think uh, this whole issue of human productivity is such a such a big field, and and it's one of those fields that um, you know I think our listeners should really consider about okay where where could that impact our firm where where are there opportunities there that we can either expand our market share or improve our bottom line by by uh, becoming involved in in those kinds of initiatives yeah that's well you kind of but you know what i'm going to save this for after halftime gentlemen we've got to take a short break and thank our sponsors um and then when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about sustainable buildings, but also how our listeners, the type of people that, you know, do indoor air quality investigations, et cetera, maybe you could think about a couple of tips for them with respect to how they get their foot in the door when it comes to being involved in these, you know, high-performance building projects. So we're going to come back with Don Herman and Tim Wentz in about uh, 90 seconds. We've got to stop and thank our sponsors. Thanks to our association sponsors. The Indoor Air Quality Association, a nonprofit multidisciplinary organization dedicated to promoting the exchange of indoor environmental information through education and research. Visit their website at iaqa.org. And thanks to our advertisers. Gray Wolf Sensing Solutions who use advanced sensor software technology and embedded computers to provide superior environmental test instrumentation. Visit them at wolfsense.com. Legends Environmental Insurance Services, the experts in insurance for environmental consultants and contractors for over 20 years. Visit them at legends-enviro.com. Indoor Environment Connections, the newspaper for the IAQ industry. Subscriptions and advertising information are available at ieconnections.com. And, of course, our marquee sponsors. John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop. Visit them at j-o-n-d-o-n, that's johndon.com. Clean Facts and Cleaning and Maintenance Management Magazine, your source for cleaning and maintenance news. Visit them at cleanfax.com and cmmonline.com. IAQ.net and Healthy Indoors Magazine, a free online digital magazine for industry professionals and consumers. Subscriptions are available at iaq.net. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IAQ Radio when you acquire about their services or products. All right. This is Radio Joe Hughes. We're back with my co-host, the Z-Man from McKees Rocks. We've got Mr. Tim Wentz calling in from Lincoln, Nebraska. He's a, a professor out at the University of I'm sorry, at the University of Nebraska, Lincoln, I had it right. And then, of course, Don Herman is calling in from Tampa, Florida. We're talking a little bit more about sustainable buildings. Gentlemen, I, before the break, I, you know, I asked the question, and um, I wanted to get an idea from both of you, some thoughts on how listeners can you know, get themselves prepared better or 
get involved with the right people or what kind of tips you can give them to help them become more involved in this high-performance building world? Well, I'll start off as, uh, as an educator, uh, so you can probably guess what my first comment is going to be. <laughs> it is education. Okay? If, you're, if you're really interested in this emerging field, uh, if, if this is some, if something that you see as an opportunity for your firm, then I think education is going to be the first step. Where, where can you get that kind of education? Well, here again, not to sound like a broken record, but it's, it's one of the things that IAQA and ASHRAE do really well. Um, both have, uh, have a, a large spectrum of courses, uh, online courses, uh, courses that we have at our, our annual and uh, summer conventions, um, uh, e-learning courses that you can get through ASHRAE on, on topics that would help prepare you to enter a field like this and, and prepare you to deal with clients and, and some of their indoor air quality problems. Okay, and Don? Well, from the uh, consultant side and the remediation side, I'm going to ditto what Tim said and say education. Uh, the the industry is changing. This is no longer you know a, a mold-related industry. If there's no mold, there's no indoor environmental problems. So the people that are participating in this line of work need to take off the blinders and start looking at the total uh, the total building. Uh, look at it more of a satellite than you know standing on a rooftop looking and looking at the roof. You you need to know about the building structure and how it's constructed, the materials that are being used in that construction, and have a general idea of how to impact performance. You also need to look at uh, things such as um, HVAC systems and how they impact the building pressure and how the um, how the building pressure impacts the indoor environment and whether you've got an influx of in, uh, outside air or you're pressurizing a building to prevent it from happening. You're looking at ventilation from the standpoint of how much ventilation do we need for someone to be working effectively or learning effectively in the case of schools and universities. So, you know, I, I think that education is the key to all of this and for those practitioners they need to look beyond uh, beyond the mold scope and look at other things and other avenues. Uh, yeah. Energy conservation, you know, is is a thing that is helping the, our industry, in my opinion. Uh, the tighter they make it, the, the more the, the more energy efficient they make it, the the more potential there is for a problem if you don't address all of the issues that that are impacted. Yeah, I, I agree with uh, Don 100%. Uh, and, and I'm going to take it one more step. You know, it, for the protect, uh, practitioners out there that are, are considering moving into this field, at some point they have to become educators too. Okay? So when they're, as they're acquiring this knowledge, uh, they have a duty, in my view, to help educate the client, help educate their client base into uh, the importance of the topic. And so it's, uh, you know, when I'm talking about education, it's really twofold. We have to educate ourselves, and then we have to turn around and educate the public uh, if this is really going to take uh, its rightful place in our industry. 
Let me add one, guys. I, I think um, I'll put a little plug in for ASHRAE here. I, um, I'm a member of the ASHRAE, have been for years, and, and um, I think by attending, and I, I've, I've made a promise to myself that I'm going to attend more of the, the local ASHRAE meetings here because I feel like that's where I'll meet the type of people that are involved in these projects, the architects and engineers and design for professionals that are involved in these projects. And, and when we were talking about IAQA and ASHRAE, I had a question on the list and I, I skipped over it. And maybe I'll come back to that for a moment. Um, I know we're doing more. We've had Eva King on. We've had uh, Bill Bonfleth on. We've had uh, Tom Phoenix on. And I know that IAQA and ASHRAE are sharing resources more when it comes to their local meetings and they're, they're speaking at each other's meetings, et cetera. Is there any other news on you know, whether or not um, ASHRAE and IAQA are going to continue to have separate chapters? Will they merge together in some way or will that be like a hybrid kind of thing? Well, uh, Joe from IAQA, oh. over, uh, over Tim. No, you're good. Go ahead, Don. Oh, okay. Uh, I think that uh, from from the IAQA perspective, um, and I'm also a dual member. I'm a life member of ASHRAE, so uh, I, I can kind of wear both hats. Both ASHRAE and IAQ chapters um, will will be operated as directed by their respective organizations. ASHRAE has a strong chapter base. It's worldwide. They have a lot of chapters within the U.S. Uh, IAQA chapters, there aren't as many. So we're hoping that uh, in situations where we've got IAQ chapters or IAQ members with no chapters, that they may reach out to the ASHRAE organization and participate in their meetings and kind of look at how, how they can make that work. And where both ASHRAE and IAQA uh, have a, have a presence in a location. Uh, they may elect between themselves to do joint meetings. They may be uh, keeping separate meetings. But what has happened is both the IAQA chapter directors and the ASHRAE chapter presidents have both been put in touch with each other saying, hey, guys, this guy's in your backyard. Work, work nice and play with others. <laughs> and see if there is something that you can do. If you want to do a joint meeting and you think that's best for your members, do it. If you don't think that's the way and you want to do separate or you want to partner in on some other uh, endeavors, by all means, uh, you, you have the ability to do that. There's nobody telling them they have to. There's nobody telling them they must. But they're certainly encouraged to reach out to each other and try to work more cohesively in, in the future. Okay, I think that's fair enough. Uh, Tim, what I'd like to do is, is kind of combine a little bit of sustainability and sustainable buildings discussion with the discussion of education. And, and I think maybe we should start with um, getting the listeners a little more background on, on your program at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Uh, as I understand, it's a construction management program. And I'm curious, what, what type of people are attending those classes? Are they all, you know, in the architectural school? Or are they all in the engineering school? Is it a mix? Uh, do you have people from other schools? Yeah, it, it is a mix. And, in fact, our, our program is part of the Durham School of Architectural Engineering and Construction. So uh, the school has architectural engineers in it, 
and they will be on one of three tracks, either mechanical, electrical, or structural. Uh, there's construction engineering also in our school, and then construction management. Uh, the construction management degree is a bachelor's science degree. It's fully accredited. Uh, it's about one-third engineering and architecture classes, about one-third business classes, and then about one-third construction management classes. And in the construction management end of it, uh, I, of course, teach on environmental systems. Uh, I also teach ethics and professional practice in construction. Uh, I teach uh, estimating um, within that, within our program. So it's, it's uh, very construction-centric uh, for that, uh, that one-third of the program. So uh, it's a very popular program, well-received. Uh, last uh, semester, I think we had a 94% placement rate uh, on graduation day. Uh, we're a couple of weeks away from graduation. We'll probably be in the 90s again uh, this semester. So it's, uh, um, and it's, I, last time I looked, it's been a little while since I've looked, but it had the second highest starting salary in the College of Engineering. And how do you, where do you weave in building science topics in, in those you know, one-third, one-third, one-third? Or, or it's in the construction management side. I see. And is that something that, that you've brought to, I mean, what, what's the resource? What's your, your, what would you say are the best resources for those out there that are interested in more information on that topic? Uh, on, on the construction management program? Well, on the building science in general. Oh, and building science in, in general. Uh, I would think that uh, we are accredited by the uh, American Council of Construction Education, ACCE, and I think that's where I'd start. Okay? Uh, they, they accredit construction management. Uh, there's a construction science degree out there that they accredit. Uh, you could go to their webpage, and I think there's almost 90-some programs in the United States that all have kind of a little different flavor to them. And so if, if you have an interest in, in the building science end of it or in construction management, uh, that would be where I would start. Okay. Cliff, let me turn it over to you. I, I want to make sure you get a chance to ask a question. Yeah. Um, actually, some years back, and Joe, I think that you're going to remember this particular instance, but some years back we had a, a very renowned building scientist on the program that we interviewed, and he was very negative on high-performance buildings, particularly on energy uses. And, you know, he made a statement that at the time that he was on the show, there was not a single high-performance building that used less energy than the building that it replaced. And I'm wondering, um, you know, whether you would agree with that or disagree or... I would disagree with that. Although I understand what his concern is, his concern really isn't uh, can we can we design and, and construct a high performance building. The answer is yes, we can. We've got the technology to do it. Uh, the question I I'm sensing is that we don't know how to measure it. How, how do you prove that, that building's a high performance building? How do you prove that that building is using less energy? And we've had this exact same discussion inside ASHRAE and. ASHRAE's response to it, and I, quite frankly, I'm biased, but I think this was a brilliant response. ASHRAE decided, hey, you know, the thing to do is we're going to have a building 
disclosure and labeling system, and it's going to be built on the science of ASHRAE. Okay, so it's powered by ASHRAE, and we're going to come up with a system that you can rely upon to accurately and consistently measure the energy use of your building and then compare it to a similar building in a similar climate zone. And uh, our program is called uh, Building Energy Quotient, BEQ, and it's, it's brand new. I, I mean, uh, there's two parts of it. Uh, one is as designed and the other is as operated, so you can see the gaps between how the building was designed and how the building is currently operated, which is, is really valuable information as well. Uh, the as designed has only been out like maybe six months or so. Um, the in operation label has been out a little longer than that, a little over a year. So it, it, it's, it's brand new. We're really proud of it. Uh, if you've been in Europe, uh, maybe you've gone into a, a public building in Europe and seen a label in the lobby that shows energy usage on a, on a colored scale. Uh, that's, that's exactly the same approach that we're using. Uh, our scale today is, uh, is A through F, but I think everybody uh, pretty much understands. So it's something the general public can look at and get an instant uh, understanding of where that building is with respect to similar buildings in, in similar climates. And I think that addresses those kinds of criticisms that I've heard before and uh, um, gives us some a, a technological base to respond to that kind of criticism. Now, Tim, how, how do building owners, uh, do they have to pay to be a part of this program? I mean, and, and then, you know, what's the... Um, What's the carrot? You know, uh, I guess just being able to say they have a nice, you know, a, a building and it's part of the BEQ program and it rates at a certain level. Can you go into a little more on that? Yeah, I, it, there's two questions in there. Uh, the the fee that, that ASHRAE charges for the building label materials, the workbooks, and and the plaque and all that stuff is five hundred dollars. Okay, so that's a that's a very low fee when you look at some of these other uh, programs out there. Absolutely. Very, very competitive. Yes. And uh, now, uh, the ASHRAE BEQ program requires the use of either a registered professional engineer in the location of the building or or a ASHRAE certified energy assessment professional, building energy assessment professional, BEAP, or an ASHRAE certified building energy modeling professional, BEMP. So uh, part of our, our program is we want you to be assured that the assessing, the modeling is done to an industry standard. So that's part of the reliance uh, that we're building. So what, what's the carrot? Well, the carrot is as you go through this process of, of gaining the label, uh, you learn a lot about the energy use of your building. You know, the old adage, if you can't measure it, you can't control it, I think is absolutely true. Um, and so you come up with some really valuable information about how the building is performing. Uh, you come up with some, some low-cost, immediate uh, fixes that you can do to get an immediate return as part of the program. Uh, uh, there's also an indoor air quality part of the program to the in-operation part. Uh, so, uh, you know, we want to make sure that, uh, that the, uh, the building uh, the building. In 
environmental quality is 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 adequate and has not been altered just to achieve a energy rating of of some level. So it, it's uh, I think it's a very well thought out process. It gives the owner uh, a dashboard that I'm very fond of that that shows the energy use uh, by type, and uh, it, it's just a wealth of information that the owners should have if they're going to be making really good, sound decisions on on energy use in their buildings. Can you give us an idea of how, of how well it's been accepted by building owners? Do you see uh, a lot of participation? I know it's early on, but uh, how excited are you about the participation rates on it so far? Well, the, uh, it is early on, so we haven't, we haven't had uh, uh, many labels um, uh, as of this point. What we have had is a lot of people downloading the workbooks, and and you know there's uh, I've got right around ten thousand downloads of the workbooks, which is really exciting for us. So you know people are interested, and they, they're interested to see what it can do. Uh, one one great example I'm proud to say is right here at the University of Nebraska, uh, the University of Nebraska, and with Don's help. I might add, we're going to be teaching a class uh, next semester on on uh, energy assessment in buildings. And the University of Nebraska got so excited about the system that they are putting forward 12 buildings. They're going to give us all the energy data, all the plans and specs. They're going to give us a couple of their uh, service techs. They're going to provide all the equipment, and they're under the direction of PEs such as myself. We're going to be doing uh, ASHRAE BEQ assessments uh, on the University of Nebraska campus. And uh, uh, so it's, it is exciting times. You know, it's, it's brand new stuff, uh, but I, I think the potential for it is uh, simply enormous. And it, it's something the United States really needs. I mean, we need a, a method of accurately and consistently determining how much energy our buildings are really using. You know, I'm, I'm curious uh, if you could, uh, we're running low on time, so I don't want to spend too much on this, but I'm curious with respect to the BEAP and the BEMP programs, are those things that you can, is it a, an exam that you go to take separate yes. from a course? Yeah, it's, it's online. It, we, we assigned a contract with a, a firm to um, um, put these testing centers, so it's part of a national testing center. So uh, you study. Uh, there is uh, some experience requirement. It's on a sliding scale, you know. So, uh, the, uh, for example, if you are a PE, then you only need X number of years of experience. If, if uh, you don't have a college degree, then you need uh, a larger body of experience. So uh, we want to make sure that people taking the exam are qualified. Uh, but once once you're uh, once you feel that you are ready for the exam, you can uh, go on the web page and sign up a date in your city and uh, take the exam. And is there uh, an online course that goes along with this, or you just download the materials and you study those materials and, and prepare on your own? We are developing courses, and there are workbooks, and there are also uh, 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 study guides and uh, a whole host of materials on the ASHRAE website, ASHRAE.org, uh, to help you study for it. Uh, obviously, a lot of it is, is based upon our standards 
uh, ASHRAE standard 90.1, uh, 62.1 would be two examples. Uh, the ASHRAE green guide would be another example, uh, depending on the test you're taking. So, um, yeah, there's there's uh, lots of information, and and we're developing new uh, educational resources uh, uh, as well. Okay, and Don, you know, I, 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 go ahead, Don, please. I, I I can attest to this uh, to, to this program. I'm uh, I introduced it to three of my clients here in Tampa. And all three of them jumped at the chance to jump in on the ground floor to follow follow the system. Hmm. It is the most rigorous energy program I have ever tried to make a building fit. It, it is it is really above and beyond anything else that, that's out there. You know. Don, I'm curious. I know you're a lead AP, and and I'm not sure, Tim, if you are or not. I um, am. Yeah. Okay. And and I'm. You know, I never really. Uh, I don't know. I never jumped in on that. I I just. I always had some. I don't know. I just. I never quite felt quite warm and fuzzy about the whole lead program, to be honest with you. And I'm. I'm just curious. How does that tie in? Uh, does it tie in at all with the BEQ, or is this maybe a way of confirming that? the things that are supposed to happen in a lead building are happening, or uh, is this maybe a way of, re of a replacement for that? I'm, I'm just curious what you guys' thoughts are on that. Yeah, uh, it, the BEQ, the Building Energy Quotient Program, is an energy assessment program. Okay. okay? And that's, that's the beginning and end of, of BEQ Period. in okay. terms of its focus. Got it. Okay, Got so it. We're, we're, there, we're there about uh, uh, how much energy does this building consume? Lead is is a more holistic view of it. Uh, certainly, it's got an energy component in the EA section, but it's got you know a whole uh, array of of other items that they look at in terms of uh, creating a sustainable building. So that's the principal difference between the two. We do not see um, the building energy quotient uh, program as a competitor to lead, and in in fact, we are in discussions with the U.S. Green Building Council about uh, the possibility of them using the BEQ within uh, one of their uh, – within that EA section to help establish the actual energy consumption of a building. Great. Great. Don, did you have any comments on that? Uh, no, I, I think Tim covered – Covered the majority. Well, let me let me follow up with Tim then on, on that. At the University of Nebraska, have they have they gone into the lead? Uh, are they building lead buildings, or have they decided to go a different route? No, they we do have lead buildings, and in fact, it's part of our UNL design guidelines. Is uh, uh, anytime a building a new building is built here or a major renovation, as a part of the design process. Uh, you are expected to design to lead silver. Oh, I just realized we're running low on time. Tim, I've got to ask you a question, and then John, um, Cliff, I'll let you. Do you guys have to run right away? I mean, we don't have to shut it down at 1 o'clock. No, I'm fine. All right. I'm fine as well. Let me get with Tim here for a moment on educational issues. Um, I had a question in here. How do you see the future of education? Is, is the current four-year brick-and-mortar focused model going to be around for another 50 years, Tim? Uh, I think so. Yes, it will. It's going to be in a much different form, however, I think. Um, 
you know, there's there's a place for the brick and mortar education. Uh, this is a, a people-based industry, and it's always been a people-based industry, and I think it will be for the next 50 years. Uh, a part of the educational process has to be about people, about relationships, about networking, um, and 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 furthermore, I think our industry is moving towards a much more integrated design process. And I think I think that's part of what the role of a brick and mortar kind of university will will provide. Now, having said all that, universities are not doing a really good job of teaching applications anymore because their focus has has drifted, I'll use that word, to more of a research centric uh, mission, okay? which puts greater stress on IAQA and ASHRAE to provide that that application-based education. Mm-hmm. And I, that's where I think the future is, uh, in, in at least for ASHRAE and IAQA in terms of our educational efforts. And that's also a kind of the future that I see for uh, uh, brick-and-mortar universities. And, and- do you see that being different, whether it's a, a community college versus a four-year, um, or are the four years kind of actually going into the community college, um, I don't know, you know, uh, oh, what has typically been there, you know, their bread and butter is more of a, uh, you know, hands-on type of uh, training for a specific uh, type of uh, uh, job in the future. Do you see that kind of, those lines being blurred a little bit more, Tim? You know, I, I I think I see it the other way around. I see the community college is moving more into what has been tr- traditionally the four-year college uh, arena. So, uh, for example, in Kansas, they've opened one of the first uh, four-year junior colleges or four-year community colleges. It offers a four-year degree. And, uh, uh, of course, at the community college level, the focus is on teaching. And, and they have a tendency to hire people from industry, so there is a lot more application-based education at that level. And, and that had traditionally been the four-year college kind of environment. And so I, I see that, uh, I, I see the community colleges, and, and I, I'm, I'm a supporter of the community college system. I think they've got their place as well, but I see them kind of moving into the the traditional uh, four-year land-grant university arena. Well, I think a big part of that has been the cost factor as well. Um, oh, yeah, there isn't any question about it. Okay. And and real quick, uh, before we go, Tim, what are your thoughts on um, using different methods for, for like, for instance, uh, are you using a lot of online type of, uh, you know, distance learning within – the school there, or is that something that uh, other groups are doing more than you? Yeah, I, no, I think we're we're moving in in that direction. In fact, uh, I, just quickly, I will tell you about that course that I'm going to be teaching in the spring. Yes. I've twisted Don Herman's uh, arm, and he's been very gracious to accept. Uh, I'm going to have him do an online module on indoor air quality assessment for the Ashray Building Energy Quotient. Who better? Who better than to have a a practicing professional like Don Herman with his background in indoor air quality teach the students, okay, here's how you do the indoor air quality assessment for the, the BEQ program. I couldn't do it 
a fraction as well as Don can do it. And so it, there's there's a good example of how we're going to use an online uh, video-based program uh, to the benefit of both students and, and industry. I see. Hey, hey, Cliff, I, I'm sorry I know I kind of shut you out there. Do you have anything you want to add? I just had a toss-up question, and I'm just wondering whether uh, either Tim or Dawn have seen any uh, negative, unexpected consequences in high-performance buildings. It depends. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of a broad question. Uh, sure, you know, a, you know, it, problem is, is it depends on what what you consider a high-performance building. Uh, there is not a a single unifying. A definition of that. So if if it's uh, um, if it focuses uh, too much on on energy efficiency, then as Don pointed out, what happens is your ventilation rates drop because building's too tight. And sure, it uses a lot less energy, but wow, you've got an indoor air quality problem. And so um, that that to me would be a common problem that I've seen on on supposedly high-performance buildings. Now, the flip side of that is that a building that does not focus on indoor air quality, a building that does not focus on comfort is not then, in my opinion, a true high-performance building. And Don, you want to add anything to that? It, it, as Tim said, it, it depends a lot on what you consider a high-performance building. Some people refer to lead buildings as being high-performance buildings. Are they? Well, they can be, uh, but they are not necessarily. Uh, are there some issues within the lead process that create some issues? Absolutely. Uh, but again, uh, you know, let me digress here. One good thing that came out of the lead program is that it now makes it mandatory that the architect and the engineer and the civil engineers and mechanical engineers all talk to each other and they all have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with the owner. That didn't happen before. Everything was going through the architect and it was what the architect decided he wanted for the building that was done. So now that this is opened up a little bit more, the design professionals are finding out what the owner, uh, the owner really wants. I can remember going into a building and having an owner look at me and say, well, that was a stupid thing. What did you do that for? And my response was, well, that's the, what the architect says you wanted. <laughs> you know, and, it, and it wasn't. So now that that has opened up a little bit, I think that has made uh, the, the design and build process a, a little better. But on the same side, people, again, are looking for points. I call it point chasing. What they're saying is, well, I want a lead gold building. In other words, I don't care what you have to do to get lead gold, but do it. So if they don't look at the interoperability of systems in a building, they can design uh, an excellent building that doesn't work. Uh, you know, and likewise, if they look at everything and, and how things work together, they can design a very good building. So. You know, the flip side is that, hey, we've got some lead buildings that are good. We have some lead buildings, in my opinion, that are not so good. Uh, only because people are looking at what label do I put on my building? You know, 
is a lead platinum building really better for the occupants? Maybe. Sometimes yes. Sometimes no. Uh, it's just not a you know cut and dried thing that you can say that because I have lead certification, I'm a high performance building, and therefore everything in here is better. And, and with the the BEQ program, Tim, how much of that is? Um, how much focus on indoor air quality is there? It's it's an energy program, as I understand, but I would imagine you've got at least a baseline where you have to meet certain baseline criteria. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, and and that's uh, part of the in operation uh, label. And uh, uh, we were very fortunate on the BEQ committee to have some of our colleagues uh, from Europe and uh, principally UK who who'd gone through the that same kind of process and had found out where the problems were and where some of the crap doors were. And that's one of the points they made to us that we really needed to have an, an indoor air quality uh, process uh, in there. It, it doesn't, it's, it, I'm not saying it's, it's, it's real involved or, or real detailed, but it is detailed enough to determine whether or not the building has been altered uh, from an indoor air quality standpoint, in order to produce uh, a a false positive on the on the energy uh, rating. Okay, hey gentlemen, I, I know we've gone over, but I'd like to always throw out the, for the last um, last point of the day. Is there anything we missed that you'd like to add, or or anything that um, you know you just want to get off uh, get out to the listeners before we go? Let's start with Tim. You know, I, uh, I I think we covered most of the major points. I, I hope I expressed my excitement about the IAQA and ASHRAE consolidation. I, I think it's a, a really positive step forward for both organizations, and I think it's going to pay dividends uh, for the membership of both organizations. Uh, but maybe even more importantly, it's going to provide many benefits for the society as a whole. All right. Don? No, I, 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 agree, with, I agree with Tim. Um, I, I think that the one thing I'd like to uh, point out there is that on both the ASHRAE and the IAQA side, that this, this is a work in progress, and we'd like to ask members of both organizations to please be patient while, while we finalize these details and get things worked out. Uh, we are merging... Uh, Again, using the wrong word, consolidating a uh, an association with a professional organization. So there are some things that just aren't done the same way, and what we have to do is come up with some middle ground. Uh, this this is not an easy task to do. Uh, we have truly dedicated individuals working on it. And you'll see continued progress evolve over time. But we need the help of our members to help fix what's broken, to help us make what's working work better, and make note that without the members' help and support and the confidence in this work, whatever we're doing won't, won't be accomplished. So please, if you, if you have some... Uh, some questions, some recommendations, some thing in mind, please throw it out there because now is the time for us to look at it and see how we can make all of, you know, try to bring all of this stuff together. It's going to take, it's going to take time. 
I think that's an important point that, you know, you're merging an association with uh, more of a, uh, a professional... I don't like know, the technical society. Technical yeah. society, thank you. That's the term I wanted. That's perfect. And, and there's, you know, there's different views within those two groups, and it will take some time. But I, I've got to say, guys, I'm, I'm thrilled that uh, ISO got a standard out and that it's got ASHRAE on it. That's, that's a big step forward. And I'm also thrilled that both of you joined us here this week on IAQ Radio. Uh, been a great, great interview with both Tim Wentz and Don Herman here. We've got the ASHRAE secretary and an IAQA board member and a uh, longtime indoor air quality expert and then uh, of course professor at the university of nebraska lincoln thanks thanks so much for joining us gentlemen we really appreciate having you this week on iaq radio well thanks for having me it's uh, it's been a lot of fun and and i appreciate it greatly all right and and dawn i'm sure we'll talk uh, hopefully i'll see both of you at the uh conference in i guess it's march this year uh the iaqa yes, uh, conference so i'd like to thank you for the opportunity of, of sharing these uh these ideas and uh, hopefully making members a little more aware of what's going on in the in the background. You know, and I do appreciate your lead comment to the, the USGBC comment because I, you know, I, I think it's important to find the 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 good things that came out of or, or are coming out of a program. And I, and you bring up a great point, Don. That is a, that is very important. It's a big change, and it, and it's um, great to see that that at least in your experience, there's more open communication between the right people on these projects. Oh, anyway, folks, this is Radio Joe Hughes saying thanks to today's guests. Uh, great, great show. Very enjoyable. Tim Wentz and Don Herman. Uh, next week, we've got uh, Brian O'Halleck and, uh, let's see, Maury. Um, oh, Cliff, help me out. What's Maury's last name? Um, Ash. Asley. Asley, that's it. Uh, he's the new uh, executive director, I think it is for the IICRCA, the Council of Associations. Brian is the president. We're going to have them on because they've got, uh, things are up and running much better. We've got some benefits coming out to, to people who are involved in the council. I know IAQA is a member of the council. Triska is a member of the council. So we've got quite a few things to talk about with those gentlemen next week. And, of course, I want to thank my co-host, the Z-Man, Cliff. Nice job. Thank you, sir. Fun, fun. Always a pleasure. Of course, Frank Zappa, Amada at the controls. We got it down. Things are going well. Our growing group of loyal listeners, please come back and join us next Friday at noon for the next episode of IAQ Radio.